0: Welcome back to Well, that's interesting—the fancy weapon and a fucked-up planet edition. <laughs> <laughs> I am
1: um, really excited about yeah. this fancy weapon. Oh, it's so fancy! I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I love fancy stuff. Sure, I love a fancy mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> restaurant. I love yeah. a fancy.
0: I love a fancy cocktail. Oh yeah. I love a fancy... Weapon.
1: <laughs> Weapon.
0: <laughs> love it. Uh, amazing. Then you came to the right place, because amazing. today is in between E 088 King Tut's meteorite dagger. That's really I mean, fancy. It's the fanciest you're going to get. Doesn't get much fancier no. than that. And yet another truly hellish exoplanet. Mm. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. So I feel like I should know what an exoplanet <laughs> is by
0: now. We, we did do a whole episode once upon a time
1: okay (laughs) many margaritas ago we did um we did an episode about do you want to remind me now
0: what an exoplanet is or later um how about later okay yeah i'm jill chacha and i am with the woman who's just so excited about exoplanets
1: (laughs) marissa riley that's me i am thrilled planets, whatever they are. Um, I'm also freaking thrilled about this dagger. Oh my God. I can't wait to talk about it more.
0: Uh, If this is your first time listening, welcome to the vlog. Welcome. Dr. Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. I had no idea what we
1: were going to talk about today, and I still don't know what half of what we're going to talk about (laughs) is uh,
0: today. Good enough. But... can't wait. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, yes, my friends, today is all about extremes. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about what happens when the universe gifts humans with ancient space debris and what we turn it into. Uh, if you said we probably craft weapons out of it, you're right. Yeah, so. uh, yeah. <laughs> Everything can be a weapon or a dildo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't mix these two. I'm no, 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 no. So... Uh, In the second half of the show, we're going to travel to an exoplanet, just a mere 850 light years from Earth. But honestly, it could not be any more different than our beautiful, life-giving home. I don't want to give too much away now, but on your average day there, one side of the planet is a balmy 4,500 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean... (laughs) Jesus Christ. As someone who grew up
1: in Austin, Texas, where the summer highs... Uh, we're hundred and ten, mm. sometimes hundred and twelve. That's insane. Uh I can say that forty five hundred degrees Fahrenheit is uh is too hot. So it's a little bit hotter than that. It's too hot. <laughs> no no amount of uh <laughs> leather bikinis and cutoffs uh will prepare
0: you yeah.
1: for that.
0: That was was a very specific outfit. We'll get into that later. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that kind of heat creates an environment no mind could possibly make up no matter how deranged it is. And we're going to talk all about it. We're going to have a lot of fun. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Let's yeah. do it. But let's begin with um, everyone's favorite and tragic young king, Tutankhamun. I am familiar. Yeah. Whose life was cut short at the age of 19. Yeah. According to the folks over at a little encyclopedia called Britannica. Oh, I'm familiar. Uh, quote, for many years, it was believed that the boy king died of an infected, broken leg. Oh. However, in 2010, scientists found traces of malaria parasites in Tutankhamun's remains Indicating that malaria, perhaps in combination with a degenerative bone disease, may have been the cause of death. I like how it's just so easy to
1: die of like five different things. Yeah. Back in the day. At once. Like you think it's easy to die today? <laughs> oh my god. They would die of anything. Yeah, don't break your leg. Don't fall. Or don't. get bone disease <laughs> and malaria at the same time. At the same time at 19. Oh, 19. That's wild. But but for him, that might that might as well have been like 84. That's a yeah. long life. That is. Good for tut. <laughs> Good for tut. <laughs>
0: either way young old sudden or expected when a king dies you fucking go all out when it comes to burial oh fuck yeah and boy howdy if anyone knows how to do that it's the egyptians oh yes mm-hmm. little king tut was buried within not one but five tombs configured like a russian doll of sorts amazing amazing uh, his sarcophagus alone was actually three coffins nestled one inside the other just amazing uh, back in 1923 When English archaeologist Howard Carter and a bunch of other white dudes entered the massive expanse that was Tut's burial plot, there were no less than 5,000 items found within. You know, I was just on Instagram, and (laughs) um, (laughs) it's funny how much you
1: need something that you didn't know existed five seconds ago, Mm. and you're like, you just hear about it, and you're like, I need this plastic heart-shaped bikini top. Yeah. I need it right now. Instagram just told me to buy it. And I feel the same way with King Tut's Burial. Yeah. I need five. Just in case. Co- just yeah. you never know. You never know what's going to happen right. afterwards. And I think I need five coffins. And I think I need <laughs> 5,000 pieces of crap with me. Yeah. So that if I wake up somewhere really interesting, I have. My plastic bikini tops. I have my eight pairs of tennis shoes that all look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. I have everything. Yeah. Of my face products, I need it all. Yeah. Jill, it's, write it's, this down. It, I am. <laughs>
0: yeah, luckily, we. She's not recorded. writing it down. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Just write it down anyway. So many, many, many of these five thousand items raised a lot of questions about the teen's life. And death but one dagger really stood out and dr marissa i have a photo of it right here and i'd love for you to take a look uh please just describe it for us and any thoughts you may have yeah. uh, and of course all photos we talk about today will be on our social media stuffs so please come on by and take a look yes at this dagger dr marissa would you be buried with this
1: at one <laughs> next to your bikinis 100 <laughs> percent. i need this right next to the bikinis. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to need this. Uh, I actually need this right now. I It's pretty nice. I, I don't really need to stab anyone right now. I just <laughs> want it like on a coffee table. <laughs> it is, um, it's so cool. It's gold. It's got a gold handle. Mm-hmm. The gold handle has stripes on it. Kind of this resiny black. Uh, and the golds, uh, like, uh, uh, horizontal stripes. It's got this cool, like, uh, sort of almost diamond shaped etchings in it. Yeah. The very tip of the handle looks like it's a clear glass. It looks like
0: glass. Yeah. It looks like
1: glass. It's uh, this awesome knob. I, you know, if I was making a dagger, I would not think to do that, but it really works. And then the, the actual blade is like, you know, silver blade classic. Yeah. And then, um, it actually has sort of a little bit of wear and tear, um, These sort of, like, tarnished spots, Mm -hmm. which makes it look even cooler. Yeah. It looks like a, like, if I went to, like, a vintage store and saw it, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but I need it, because it's
0: so cute. This dagger, you know, it's been used. It's been stabbed. Yeah. It's it's been used to stab things. Yeah.
1: (laughs) I hate it. I hate it when people buy like really nice shoes or like a really nice dagger and then they don't use it. Yeah, use your daggers. Use your designer daggers.
0: (laughs) Don't be afraid. That's what they're for. That's right. Yeah. um, Other than. So it has a beautiful gold handle. But other other than that, it looks like any dagger you'd see in a sword collection belonging to someone named Kevin. Yeah, um, Kevin. <laughs> own <like>, this. <laughs> this is definitely a Kevin. Uh,
1: it's in there. Right next to his, like, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Or his Game of Thrones sword. Yeah. I'm one to talk because I used to own um <laughs> the, the Kill Bill sword. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> a replica, but then I left it at someone's house. <laughs> I need to call them because I really want it back.
0: If you have Dr. Marissa's... Javier, if you're
1: listening to this podcast, I really want my
0: sword back. (laughs) Oh, Oh God. Let's get to specifics. All right. (laughs) According to our source study, published in the February 2022 issue of Meteoritics and Planetary Sciences... Quote, it consists of a double-edged metallic iron blade and a hilt primarily made of gold. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) The length of the dagger is 14 inches or 35.2 centimeters. And the iron blade is 8 inches in length or 21.8 centimeters. End
1: quote. So I don't know much about daggers. Mm. That sounds like a good size. It's a good size. A good 8 inches. Ah. (laughs) 8 inches. 8 inches. Yep. I'm I'm trying to do it with my hands. Yes. It's I just it have no like concept of space. <laughs> it, looks like it, it, looks
0: like, it looks like you're playing the accordion. <laughs> I just like all over the place. that sounds great. Um, I still want it, yeah. So, what is the big fucking deal with this dagger, right? Well, here's the curious part. Dr. Marissa, please tell us, according to Isaac Schultz of Gizmodo, what was really unique about this object? I would love to talk about this. All right, quote, Its blade was a perplexing discovery,
1: considering the Iron Age didn't kick off until a century after Tut's death. Mm -hmm. End quote. This is a head... Of its time. Of its time, yeah. That, it's
0: even cooler now. (laughs) Wow. They discovered the band before you did. That's right. Uh, That's right, my friends. Ye old Iron Age was a period in human history between 1200 BC and 600 BC. This was when people across much of Europe Asia and Africa began making tools and weapons of course from iron and steel on a regular basis mining ore and smoldering it to perfection
1: mining ore and smoldering it to perfection that's the coolest thing you've ever (laughs) said
0: (laughs) so Mr. Tut well he died around 1323 BC well before the iron age kicked off in 1200 BC god damn yeah in fact he not only had an iron dagger on him He had some iron bling as well, including an iron headrest and an iron bracelet. Oh, Mm -hmm. where did it come from? I wonder. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm sure you have a few questions like how the fuck, where did that iron come from, and who the fuck made these beautiful things? Well, if you said to yourself, I bet at some point way, way back in human history, some people figured out that meteors contain a material you can make shit out of, a material like iron. If you thought this, you're absolutely right. Amazing. Once upon a time, humans waited for meteors to fall to Earth so they could forge tools and pointy killy things.
1: I know I'm not supposed to like like this, but I I love this. Yeah, this I cool. love that like there's like people and then you see like a meteor come out of the sky and then they just pick up their bags, they're like, Alright, we gotta Let's go do now. this yep. And then they just start <laughs> running. Yeah, through a field because they didn't have cars. <laughs> so they just start running
0: towards it. So, yeah, somebody was on meteor duty. You can't, you can't fuck that up. You have to... Can you imagine? There's only so many. Yes. I don't know how often they...
1: Because I, I don't
0: think about it very much.
1: But I really have to
0: think you about really it. You really got to pay fucking attention. So... Dr. Marissa, please tell us what Albert Jambon from the National Center for Scientific Research in France told Atlas Obscura in an interview. I would love to talk about
1: it. All right. From the article, before the Iron Age, most iron came from space. That's amazing. Quote, it has been thought, for example, that the iron used by the Egyptians came from an early smelting industry in Anatolia. Anatolia. Anatolia, I got it, Uh, where the Hittites may have started to work iron as early as 1500 BC. Perhaps not coincidentally, some of the oldest records of meteors in the sky are found in cuneiform texts written in Hittite. Jambon believes that they were harvesting their early iron from these celestial omens and then trading some to egypt some archaeologists believed uh the hittites invented iron making that's so cool he says but they were hunting meteorites Mm -hmm. and quote so yeah it's like we said they're running grabbing these meteorites Mm -hmm. making it
0: thank you hittites for (laughs) (laughs) thank you for uh for doing this it's yeah. so damn cool it's so cool yeah the Hittites were a small population of super crafters who figured out what to do with all these space rocks amazing they yeah. would have
1: had a killer Etsy store oh my god <laughs> can you imagine they were the, they were
0: the first Etsy oh <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's fucking amazing. And if you're wondering where in the world Anatolia was, it's the countries we now call Turkey, Syria, Lebanon, and Cyprus. I'm
1: really glad you said that because I was like, does everyone know where Anatolia (laughs) is? And I just really missed that day.
0: (laughs) I had to look it up. Okay, wonderful. So just to put this region's incredible innovation into context, Europeans and the West, quote, really didn't take notice of meteorites until the 16th century or so. That's end quote. Yes. Europeans didn't bother with meteors until the 1500s AD, and the Hittites were like experts as early as 1500 BC. So, Dude, <laughs> get it
1: together. Yeah. If you see something falling out of the sky, you better check that check, shit check, check out. It out. Yeah. Stop being lazy and being like, I don't fucking care. Go <laughs> get it. And make some fucking jewelry out of it, you lazy fucking dipshits! <laughs> I'm, I don't know why I'm so passionate. It's so about passionate! This. Wow! Like I, just, or not?
0: Do do whatever you want. Uh, and that quote was from Atlas Mascara. <laughs> so do whatever you want. <laughs> So, my friends, let's fast forward to 2016, Okay. when a chemical analysis of the dagger was performed, and yes, it was confirmed the blade was made from a meteor. That's so cool. Damn. Yeah. But, of course, this raised a couple of more questions, like what kind of meteor, and honestly, who gave this dagger to Tut? Excellent now,
1: questions. Yeah,
0: researchers had their money on something called an octahedrite meteor. Okay. And Dr. Marissa... Our resident rock lover here. That's me. Yeah, Please tell us, what the hell is that? Let's talk about (laughs) it. Let's talk about some octahedrites
1: from the wiki. Quote, octahedrites are the most common structural class of iron meteorites. They derive their name from their crystal structure paralleling an octahedron. uh, Due to a long cooling time in... uh, I'm going to start this again. Yeah. Uh, due to a long cooling time uh, in the interior of the parent asteroid, the materials crystallize into intermixed millimeter-sized bands. When polished, the classic uh, woodmanstanton mm-hmm. patterns of intersecting lines are visible. End quote. All right, I want to process this yeah. for one second. So it yeah. sounds like... When the interior is cooling, you got it. Um, for like a piece of it is cooling, um, it crystallizes, yeah, and kind of creates this cool pattern. You got it. Amazing. That's exactly. It. Amazing. We're yeah. gonna see this, right? We're still
0: gonna see <laughs> okay, this. Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. I'm trying to picture it, but I'm like. Yes, exactly. Uh, It's really hard to explain the Widmanstätten pattern, so I'm just going to show you what a cross-section of an absolutely beautiful octahedrite meteor looks like. Yeah. uh, And it will tell you everything you need to know. And of course, this photo is on our social media stuff. Just come on by and look at how fucking gorgeous the interior of this uh, meteor is. Here
1: it is. I mean, this is everything, oh my God. and more. This is the coolest fucking thing in the world. First of all, it reminds me a little bit of a geode, where yeah. like it's like a kind of like a rock, classic rock on the outside, and then you cut it, and inside is just magic to behold. <laughs> like it's just like who knew? Yes. Who fucking knew? Yeah. Except in this case, it's like imagine like um, iron. Let's imagine that because that's what it is. And then imagine like etched on or, or inside of it is um, these sort of crisscross uh, diagonal lines. But it's so cool. It's yeah. just like crisscrossed etched lines all through it. And uh, since they crisscross, they kind of create these little triangles. And it's just so gorgeous. Yeah. I'm not really doing it justice. Please look <laughs> at this picture. It's so aesthetically pleasing. It's really, I it's I want just, it yeah. right now. I, yeah. I, I, can we get one? Sure. Okay, cool. Well, I'm assuming we can Etsy. Yeah, or this. just watch the skies. <laughs> just
0: wait. Constantly. Fair. Okay, so. let's get on the roof. <laughs> so, was this dagger made from this gorgeousness? And uh, really, there's only one way to find out. Oh, okay. Uh, from Isaac Schultz, once more, quote, To understand the manufacture and origin of the dagger, we conducted an on-site, non-contact non-destructive two-dimensional chemical analysis said co-study said author i'm sorry said study study co-author tomoko ari a researcher at the chaiba institute of technology in japan now this is the coolest thing
1: ever that, that they can do this without like hold on yeah not touching
0: it not yeah Didn't have to. Not at all. Magic. Fucking incredible. Fucking love science. (laughs) Continuing (laughs) the quote, the researchers mapped the elemental structure of the blade by shining x-rays onto it, revealing concentrations of iron, nickel, manganese, and cobalt. In the blackened spots of the blade, they found sulfur, chlorine, calcium, and zinc. But just as interesting as the elements present was their distribution. Ooh. Yeah, end quote. So, Dr. Marissa, it's up to you now okay yeah <laughs> please take a look at their distribution now this is on a molecular molecular. Okay. this is on a molecular level so it's super close up okay. imagine the photo we just saw and then we zoom right the fuck in okay okay, okay. so okay. do they form the same intersecting lined pattern as the octahedrite sample okay, okay. here it is so my answer is i'm yes yeah question
1: mark (laughs) um I will say this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life it is it is a lot like the one I saw it's just more detailed it's like um imagine like lines in different shades of like white gray and silver and black and they're it's these diagonal lines they're intersecting but it's like this is a two-dimensional picture, but it looks so three-dimensional. Yeah. Like, it looks like these lines keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And um, I want to buy this. Yeah. I Not not like the material. I want to buy that, too. But I want to
0: buy this picture. It would make a great print. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. It's beautiful cross-hatching. Yeah. Right. That's what creates that illusion of depth. It's just... It's just... And, it, and
1: it looks like paint. It yeah. looks like someone painted this and, like you know went to art school and stuff good for them good for i mean them. i mean good for um the meteor the meteor yes <laughs> <That's
0: right. laughs> so co-author tomoko ari went on to say quote we noticed a cross cross-hatched texture pres- present in places for both sides of the dagger suggesting vinmin statin structure typical of an octahedrite iron meteorite that was our wow moment fuck yeah end quote amazing so If a weapon melted down from a cosmic meteor and given to a dead royal isn't poetry enough for you, there's still the question of who gave it to the late boy. Oh, yeah. That's right. Dr. Marissa, dust off your archaeological hat or archaeologist hat, whatever. Yes. Would you like to tackle this together? Fuck yeah. All right.
1: Why don't you take it away? Let's do it. All right. From the Gizmodo article, King Tut's meteorite dagger has a mystery origin story. I'm so here for it. Quote, Though the chemical analysis didn't offer clues to the dagger's origins, the team turned to a series of uh, 3,400-year-old tablets known as the Amarna Letters, which document diplomatic activities in ancient Egypt in the mid-14th century BCE. So kind of like their
0: wiki. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The, the letters mention an iron dagger in a gold sheath. Oh, yeah. Presumably not a common accessory back then. That was given to Amenhotep III, Tutankhamun's grandfather. Oh. It was given to him by the king of Mit- Mit- Mitanni, the it. region of Anatolia, when Amenhotep married his daughter. End quote.
1: That, so. that was a lot of really big <laughs> yes. words. And you fucking Thank nailed you. it. So it sounds like it was given down... It was passed down to him by his grandfather.
0: Yep. So they've had this for a long fucking time. It's even older than they thought. Yeah. Wow. This this may have been a wedding gift turned family heirloom and a fucking ancient one at that. Uh, They believe it was crafted between 1350 and 1400 BC, way before the iron age just, that's so fucking so cool. Cool. so cool so what a ride that meteor has taken my friends traveling through space passing down a line of kings to finally being talked about on this show yeah. clearly the most important moment of its life exactly yeah.
1: finally It's finally. made it onto <laughs> exactly. well that's
0: interesting it's right. the podcast <laughs> extraordinaire there you go after the break We're leaving Earth. (laughs) We're leaving Earth and heading to a land where it rains liquid sapphires. Of course we are. And uh, trust me, that really sucks. Trust me. I can imagine.
1: (laughs) Stay stay tuned. (laughs) Please do.
0: And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And my friends, move over hot girl summer. (laughs) Oh. That's right. Today, it's all about misshapen hot Jupiter. Oh, my God. (laughs) What? What? (laughs) This is one way to describe the unfortunately named exoplanet WASP-121b. That is so unfortunate. Terrible name. I could get into why that's unfortunate. It's just hilarious, <laughs> yes.
1: though. That's amazing.
0: It gets even better. So oh, God. Before we talk about what in the holy hell is taking place on WASP-121b, oh. you're probably wondering where it is, exactly. So Yeah. Uh, it's not within our solar system, okay. but it is pretty damn close in terms of space. Okay. It's within our galaxy. Okay. Just a stone throw away at 800 light years. Only
1: 850 light years mm-hmm. away. That's right. That I feel like that should be a country song. <laughs> <Aww. laughs> I would sing it, but I I don't want to make anyone
0: unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you're in the southern hemisphere, you're in luck. It falls within the constellation Puppis. Oh, which sounds adorable, but translates to poop deck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I told you this gets better. <laughs> Um, uh, sorry, yeah,
1: that's poop okay. Okay.
0: Okay. Okay. So funny. Okay. Now, if you're wondering why in God's name, a section of the sky is called poop deck. I am. I did too. And I, <laughs> I looked it up and uh, a poop deck okay. is the roof of a cabin built in the rear of the ship okay. subsequently also forming an additional deck. So it's the roof of this room. Also, also making a deck. So it's not actually like a poop
1: it's just space.
0: It's, it's just a really space. unfortunate name yes. that we should probably change. It's too. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> it's just too Great. many centuries have gone oh, by. Oh God. So this um, this poop deck in the sky <laughs> <laughs> is part of an even larger constellation called Argonavis, okay. or the ship of Jason and the Argonauts. So that's,
1: all right, that's why
0: fuck yeah Jason So on the, uh, on the na- novice <laughs> on the novice let's ride this poop deck 850 light years towards WASP 121D and uh, when we finally get there the first thing we'd notice about this planet well Dr. Marissa according to Alfredo Carpinetti of iflscience.com what exactly would we see? All right, let's talk about it. Okay, quote, the planet is only 2.4
1: million miles from its star, or 2.5% of the distance between the Earth and the Sun. Its high temperature makes it bloated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> and combined with the strong pull from its Earth, it is deformed. Oh, from its Sun. From its Sun. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm gonna say this all again because it's so interesting and it kind of describes how, like, a rough day for me sounds. But, uh, quote, its high temperature makes it bloated and combined with the strong pull from its sun, it is deformed. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of being uh, sort of spherical, the planet looks more like an American football. End <laughs> right. quote. Yep. I mean, like, so that's how I feel after eating mm. a lot of French fries and it. Indian food. Uh, something I have eaten both in one day. Yeah, and it's a weird no thing. shame. No shame. No shame. I have gone into American football shape for <laughs> yes. sure. Uh, but for a planet,
0: this sounds a little Bonkers, weird. Right? It is weird. How does that work, Jill? <laughs> right. Yeah, let's get into it now. If two point four million miles sounds way too close. To be next to a star mm-hmm. yeah you're right for context mercury the planet in our solar system closest to the sun mercury is 36 million miles away that's wild from our star this planet is a mere 2.4 million so it's single digits so she hot she is super hot She's and super hot super bloated so. oh god so what does it mean to be rubbing up against a ball of nuclear fire well <laughs> terrible things <Yeah. laughs> first being so close it's tidally locked meaning one side is permanently facing its sun. Ouch! No! No! Summer all year long. All year long. Eternal day on one side and eternal night on the other. That's creepy. Second, quote, Wasp-121b has one of the shortest orbits detected to date, circling its star in just 30 hours, end quote. So that's like a year. It's A 30-hour year. Yeah, its year is 30 hours long. It's... It's insane. It's not enough time no. to get anything done. <laughs> and that quote was from news.mit.edu. Uh, something else we'd notice about old, old Waspy as we pull up. Uh, it's massive. It's a massive gas giant nearly twice the size of Jupiter. Oh, a gas giant. Yes. <laughs> you okay? It's all
1: right. I got It her. sounds so funny. Her. Twice the size of Jupiter. Okay, keep talking. I'm good. <laughs> I'll be fine.
0: Gas giant. Gas giants. (laughs) And the upper atmosphere, facing its sun, is a staggering forty five hundred degrees Fahrenheit or twenty three hundred degrees Celsius on average. It's hot and gassy. That's right. (laughs) I told you. Yes. (laughs) And we love her. We We love her. We love her. We love her.
1: How relatable? Yeah. You know. Finally, (laughs) a relatable planet. (laughs)
0: That's right. Needless to say, this has very interesting and practically devastating effects on the molecules in that atmosphere, and thus making some crazy-ass weather. I can only imagine. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Now, let's start with the water molecules. Yes. H2O has been detected on this planet, but don't get your hopes up. Okay. Dr. Marissa, according to MIT, what the fuck is going on with this? All right. Let's...
1: talk about. I'm so worried. Um, Quote, on Earth, water recycles uh, by first evaporating, then condensing into clouds, then raining out. We're familiar. Mm -hmm. Uh, On WASP-121b, the water cycle is far more intense. Uh, On the day side, the atoms that make up water are ripped apart at temperatures over uh, 4,900 degrees Fahrenheit. These atoms are blown around to the night side where uh, the colder temperatures allow hydrogen and oxygen atoms to recombine into water molecules, which then blow back to the day side where the cycle starts again. Researchers calculate that the planet's water cycle is sustained by winds that whip the atoms around the planet at speeds of up to 11,000 miles per hour or five kilometers per second, end quote. Mm -hmm. This planet is a hot mess. What a mess. I cannot even begin to fathom. What a day. 11,000 mile per hour winds. (laughs) It so insane. What are you even doing, girl? Are you okay? Calm like, down. Calm down. Extra. Do
0: people still call people
1: extra? She's extra. <laughs> She's extra. Jesus.
0: So if you're wondering... If eleven thousand mile per hour winds are fast, uh, for context, the highest wind speed ever recorded on Earth occurred on Barrow Island, Australia. Okay, of course, Australia. Yeah. On April tenth, nineteen ninety six, an unmanned weather station measured a single two hundred and fifty three mile per hour wind gust during tropical cyclone Olivia. So one kind of fast wind gust here on Earth.
1: <laughs> I'm really glad that weather station was unmanned. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine at if point. the guy was just like holding his cup of coffee, looking outside at like houses, just like, <laughs> like Wizard of Oz style, just spinning around. He's just like,
0: uh, texting <laughs> home like, I'm going to be late. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So, God, what's, which, which job would you rather have? That job or the meteor job?
1: don't put me in this position
0: too too much pressure (laughs) too much pressure Uh, so my friends the day side is so damn hot the astronomical journal reports quote the planet is being stripped of hydrogen and helium the lightest elements as these gases are siphoned by the star other elements escape too including iron and magnesium in gas form what yeah Quote, heavy metals have been seen in other hot Jupiters before, but only in the lower atmosphere, lead researcher David Singh of John Hopkins University said in a statement. So you don't know if they're escaping or not. With WASP-121b, we see magnesium and iron gas so far away from the planet, they're no longer gravitationally bound. Oh. End quote. So this is metals. Metals. Into
1: gas form. Yeah. Flying out. Just <laughs> leaving the, uh gravitational
0: pull and just floating away
1: going away. iron
0: iron in gas form i can't even i have no idea how to even just, imagine that <laughs>
1: <laughs> well done little farts little iron farts yeah just
0: is, leaving the planet that's a tough day <sighs> oh girl like <laughs> how All we right. both just had to like <laughs> take a breath so since we're on the topic of iron if iron being stripped, if iron is being stripped on the day side, you're probably wondering what's happening to it on the night side.
1: Oh my God, I wasn't, but I am now. Oh, sorry,
0: <laughs> Dr. Marissa, our resident meteorologist. That's me. Please tell us what's happening to these molecules and what weather is being produced. Let's let's get into it. All right, All right. from the
1: MIT article, uh, a hot Jupiter's dark side is revealed in detail for the first time. Quote. It also appears that water isn't alone in circulating around the planet. The astronomers found that the night side is cold enough to host exotic clouds of iron and corundum, a mineral that makes up rubies and sapphires. So just pausing the quote, just quickly recapping, they have clouds of iron. Yeah. And uh, a mineral that makes up rubies and sapphires, so it's very sparkly clouds. Trippy, man. Yeah. I really want to see that. Okay, I'm going (laughs) to continue the quote now uh, while I leave you all with that. Um, (laughs) Continuing the quote, uh, these clouds, like water vapor, may whip around to the day side, where high temperatures vaporize the metals into gas form once more on the way due to a difference in temperature exotic rain uh may be produced uh such as liquid gems from the corundum clouds end quote i mean i feel like we all just went on an acid trip together yes we did i can't even begin to to imagine is there any way that we could put a camera on oh. this planet, just just put it in like a really
0: shielded ball yes. and just have it just... Or just take acid. A little LSD trip. No. No? Okay. I really want to...
1: <laughs> I just want to see it. That's so cool. I know it's a... so physically impossible to see, My but God. we
0: can think about it. We can think about it. So if y'all are wondering what temperatures are on the night side that could sustain iron clouds and sapphire clouds, that would be a cool 2,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Chilly. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Super chill. (laughs) Super chill. Last but certainly not least, this entire weather pattern, thanks to the planet's winds and mere 30-hour orbit, this entire weather pattern circles WASP-121b in a mere 20 hours. I can't. Mm Wow. Wow
1: that's too fast it's too fast, too fast. I'm not ready I no. don't think we should go
0: no <laughs> we should <laughs> we're, we're good. off the list totally fine so a gentle reminder that this football is also nearly twice the size of Jupiter as well so that's I can't I just can't
1: no none can't? of us can this no. is too much
0: so um hug the earth Sometime today. <laughs> we just grabbed Jill I'm just gonna,
1: instead. Yeah. I'm just so happy we're here. I'm so happy. Uh, let's take care. Let's recycle. I'm, I, that's what I'm doing right after this.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, the end. The end. <laughs> that's Jesus. right. Uh, thank you for listening. Rating. Subscribing. Telling your friends about this horrible, horrible planet. And, uh, and fucking awesome dagger. Jesus. That's so cool. So cool. Uh, just. Yeah, I want it! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And
1: please, stay interesting. Please do.